Welcome to DocuTalks, a podcast about documentaries mostly from Netflix. Chelsea and Michelle may be from two different generations, but they both share a passion for talks of true crime, murder, and documentaries with flair. Join these chatty bitches while they dish the latest hot documentary on DocuTalks. Welcome to DocuTalks. I'm Michelle. And I'm Chelsea. Uh, So just a warning, this is adult content, and sometimes we may use explicit language. So this week we're covering my secret love. Um, But first we're going to start with what are we are watching, listening, and reading this week. So what did you do this week, Chelsea? I've been watching the series on Netflix called Unorthodox. So it's based off of a memoir written by an Orthodox Jewish woman who leaves her, I want to say sect, but I'm not sure. Like she basically leaves the faith and she goes on a journey of self-exploration. Yeah, so it's just been phenomenal. I really want to read the book to see how accurate the Netflix series was. I did hear they took some liberties, but they did work quite well with her. So I've always just been quite fascinated with the Orthodox Jewish faith. And they completely live this different life, like, but in modern day New York. And it's quite fascinating. Yeah, you should read the book because I actually did a bit of research after I watched that one to see how accurate was it. And basically up until she goes to Germany, it's accurate. But after Germany, it's all basically fictional. I know I did read that, but I did enjoy the series. This week, I binge-watched Animal Kingdom on Netflix. So that's a drama series about a crime family. And I thought it was really good. Lots of action, lots of different um, backstabbing and interplay between the characters. So it was interesting. So if people get a chance, they can check that out. I thought it was good. All right. You mean it wasn't about animals? I honestly saw your notes and I was like, oh, she just watched like Animal Planet. (laughs) No, it wasn't about animals. (laughs) Okay, so let's get into our show, Secret Loves. I really thought this was such a lovely love story. I especially loved that this documentary was about a lesbian couple. Usually when they're talking about the struggle of homosexual people, they often do it from the point of male gay rights. So I thought it was nice that we saw a lesbian couple that's been together for so long. It's incredible. And the other minor part of the story I thought, which was interesting, was really showing how far we've come in terms of gay rights and how much of a struggle it was for these ladies when they were first dating. I thought it was such a sweet story as well. And I'm always amazed by couples who have been together for such a long time. It's just incredible. It always makes me wonder if I'll ever find someone to have a story like that with. I hope your partner doesn't listen to the podcast. Oh, I hope I'll find somebody who I can oh, have a story with. I was, I was with. saying that while, while we were watching it together. And he's just <laughs> looking at me. I was like, well, we don't know if this is our love story. Okay. This could be a short term love story. Oh. <laughs> and I agree with you. Like, I really feel like the lesbian community is often forgotten about. And we don't often hear voices from that community or stories from that community. I feel like the male homosexual gay rights activists kind of dominate the LGBTQ community and the representation we see, but also the fact that you saw them as like they were in their nineties and seeing 
what it was like, a realistic depiction of what it was like to grow old with your partner and and what elderly love looks like. Yeah. You know, I think Absolutely. we don't see that either. And we don't often see that necessarily in a documentary, right? You see it in love stories and, you know, they flash back through the time showing somebody's love story, but a real life documentary showing their love through the ages, you don't often see that. Yeah, they're like a real-life Nicholas Sparks novel. Yeah. Seriously. <laughs> yeah. Surprise, Nicholas Sparks hasn't written their story yet for them. <laughs> okay, where do you want to start? So, let's start with Terry's background and her family. Oh, it was amazing how close she was to her nieces and nephews, and especially Diana. Like, even Terry said that she had an exceptionally special relationship with her. And Diana said she owed everything to her and only to her. So I, I really, I wish we kind of knew more about the familial dynamics, because listening to this, and I'm just like, what would your mom think of that for you to be saying that? And also, like, why? Because Terry was living in the States. They were living in Canada. So how did they become so close? How did they have such a strong bond? What made it necessary for Terry to step in and and be there so much for Diana? We kind of got a little bit of a snapshot that Terry's brother was a drunken homophobic man. And he always believed and said, even while sober, uh, Diana said that Terry just needs to get fucked by a big black guy. And that would set her straight. Yes, that statement is just so typical of the lack of understanding of homosexuality and sexuality in general, right? It really, really is. I just thought that was such a mm-hmm. uneducated statement. And we know that Terry like was never out with her family. So it was interesting that her brother had picked up on that or like knew that she was homosexual. So I don't know if he necessarily knew Uh Or if he just felt because she never had a boyfriend that she just needed that. Hmm. Yeah, that could be. So, yeah, um, Terry was really close with her father growing up and he was a very understanding man. Terry thinks that he knew about her, but her mother was a completely different story. And her father always said that he was happy for her and would rather she lived her life the way she was living it than to be with someone that she didn't love. I just think it was so sweet that they had that special bond. And especially given the the time period, like this was in the 20s and 30s, you know, like, yeah, like probably the 30s, early 40s that this was happening. See, this is why we need a timeline. And I chose to skip it this time. And this is why it was in the 40s. Well, no, so I thought it was before that, like, because she didn't necessarily say it was when that she was with Pat, because she kind of, I don't know. Okay, sure. We're going to leave it there. It would be late, late 30s, early 40s. Okay. Late, because they were like 18 like, and 20. They, and that's what I was thinking. I was like, okay, foggy morning brain math time. Jeez, oh, <laughs> I decided to skip the timeline, listeners, and see this is what happens. So, yeah, I think it's great that, yeah, she really had a nice family. And I loved how Terry's family really embraced Pat, Mm -hmm. even though they didn't know they were a couple for all these years. They just thought they were too. Well, you know what? I think you would just think they were two single women living together, especially during that time. You might not have thought even thought that might not even have crossed your mind. And I remember I had a friend who. 
her mom lived with her friend for years the whole time I knew her. And I always just assumed that they were lesbians, always. And I remember one time her husband commented on, I, I didn't even hear the whole conversation, but her her husband commented to her, well, people could think that about you, your mom and her friend. And I'm thinking in my mind, yeah, I just assumed they were, right? But sometimes oh. it, it isn't that way, right? So I think it was great that they just embraced Pat and really, yes. you know, she came up to during holidays and things like that and really considered her part of the family. And they always said it was, you know, Aunt Terry and Aunt Pat, right? They considered yeah. her like an aunt. So it was it was great that they embraced her so much. I thought that was wonderful. Mm-hmm. I thought it was really interesting, though, that Pat had so many boyfriends considering how she was. Before she fell in love with Terry. She wasn't even that old when she met Terry, but she had like three boyfriends. She was from the farming community. They get married young. Yeah, I guess so. Back in those days, right? You know? Yeah, like yeah. people were getting married like at 16 still back then in yeah. some cases. But yeah. she did. Like she seemed like she, and she had quite serious relationships too. Yes. But unfortunately, they all ended in, in very tragic circumstances yeah given the time not shocking and also farming community it was so sad she just seemed like she had had so many deaths she had a lot of tragedy in her life and then you know her her mom died whom she was quite close with and her stepmother seemed like a beast I couldn't believe that what she had to deal with and it's so sad that like even though Terry's family seemed like they were so accepting of Pat. They really didn't get along with her. Like, you really see that in the documentary. And I just wonder why. Um, And then Pat's brother, Al, didn't want them to get married because it would hurt the family. And that's just, it's really sad. Yeah. Again, that's just, you know, obviously he's not accepting of homosexuality, no, exactly. right? Like to say it would hurt the family. Why? They're in their 80s. They've been together for over 60 years. Come on. What's the big exactly. deal? Exactly. Right? It's really selfish when we say things like that. But yeah. it is amazing that like Pat was around for so long. She's been such a huge part of yeah. Terry's life. And for Terry's family to not accept her. Pat says she never felt like she was really accepted and she was the one that was keeping Terry away I thought that was just tragic I wouldn't necessarily say that they didn't get along I think they did get along I think there was some feeling that Pat was keeping Terry away but I don't think it was that they didn't get along Diana said that she just didn't bond as well with Pat as as Terry obviously but I don't think it was that she didn't necessarily not accept her, right? I loved that they were in the baseball league, the All-American. Oh, my gosh. What a cherry on top. Like, for me, I was fangirling so hard because I love League of Their Own, and I've seen it so many times. I actually just watched it at the beginning of lockdown. And so when I saw that, I was just like, it couldn't get any better. I know that was so exciting when that came out. I'm like, oh my gosh, really? I love that movie too because I love Madonna. So of course, well, of course, it's still great. Like it's aged well, and it's still a great story because you know we don't hear about it, and it really, I think it really sheds light on the fact that we're missing a lot of female sporting teams and a lot of professional female 
athletes don't have support still to this day, even though we had, you know, a female baseball league during the war. It's crazy. Yeah. And I thought it was hilarious when Terry said that her and her friend Betty barricaded themselves in their rooms so no lesbian women would come after them (laughs) because she had never heard of this, like women, like having sex with women. And then she meets Pat and she falls in love at first sight, basically. And she didn't even know about same sex relationships. I thought that was so funny when she told that little story. It was so cute. That is, it's like I was trying to protect myself from the lesbians, and then it turned <laughs> yeah. out I was one. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm gonna, I'm gonna put that dresser in front of the door so nobody can get at us. <laughs> I know. Oh, oh my so gosh. Cute. And I love how Terry still carries her cards and signs them to give yes! them out. Oh, I want oh, one of her cards. So sweet. They were such prolific athletes too. Like they yeah. did. Everything. It was amazing. Yeah, they were both really athletic. Mm-hmm. I have no idea what that's like. <laughs> Don't ask me. They obviously were both Canadian and then they ended up in the States long term. And I thought it was quite an interesting way that they ended up there. So basically they left because things were just so crazy in Canada and like they wanted to be together and they knew they would never be able to in Canada. And um, Pat was, like, involved with another one of her men, and everyone wants, wanted her to get married, and she didn't want to. So they decided that they would just start their lives in the States, and they were so happy when they got there. So that's, yeah, I guess, for me, I, I really didn't understand why everyone thought Pat was keeping Terry in the States, because it really seemed like when we saw Terry and she talked about her life in the States, it really seemed like... She was so happy to be there. That's where she wanted to be. It was very much her decision. Well, I think part of it may be because, I mean, this is skewed from the documentary maybe, but it seems like Terry is very connected to her family in Canada and Pat not as much. Which can, it can be difficult. Yes, I understand Mm -hmm. that. They created this amazing life there and they had a whole set of friends and they made it their home. I loved Pat's quote about how many times friends are sometimes closer than family. Like it's, it's just so true. I have some wonderful friends that have become family and, you know, it's gotten to the point where of course they're family. Like they've been in my lives for longer than they haven't been at this point. And I know you have very similar situations. Yeah, Uh, for sure. Yeah. And Terry said she was so happy to escape Canada. Like I couldn't imagine what it was like to have to deal with all the things that they faced and and just the threat of being found out and because they could still have gone to jail and been charged and like they could have lost their whole lives if they had have been caught. Yeah, but they had that risk in the States also, right? Yes. I think the thing with being in the States is it was just a way to really start fresh. And they were just, you know, two single women living together, looking out for each other, and nobody probably questioned it as much. And no one knew them. And plus they had that whole, oh, we're both Canadian and we're friends. So, of course, it makes sense for us to be together. Like, we don't know anyone else here. I think it was just because they were from such small towns and things like that. They were under a little bit more scrutiny, probably. And yes, easier to melt into the crowd, maybe. And they certainly really created a great life for themselves in the States, like you said. And 
And I, I also just want to mention the love letters. I thought the love letters when they were unpacking the house were so sweet and so amazing. And I think it's awful we don't write letters anymore. They're a permanent record and it's great to see how they reflected on these and when they were cleaning out their home and reminiscing and, and we don't have that anymore. Who's going to be saving their emails or text messages? I know. And I can't even imagine my partner writing me a love letter. Are you kidding me? I save the cards I get from my, my husband. You get cards? Well, I, <laughs> I have to remind him that, you know, it's important. But he's pretty good about getting a card. He actually got me a card this week just because. And I thought that was really nice. I was mm-hmm. so excited. Yeah, I'm lucky if if my partner even, you know, texts me once a week. So, yeah, yeah, it's okay. Not everyone's romantic like that. Yeah. (laughs) Oh, that's why you don't think you're going to have an epic love story with him. Maybe maybe that's a hint. He should write you some letters if he wants to have this epic love story like Pat Terry. Oh, I'm never going to have a love story like Pat and Terry at this rate. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I won't either. I didn't get married till later in life. I'll never have six years with my husband. Well, and that's exactly it is like we both waited a long time before we we got involved. Like, you know, you got married later in life and I'm still not married. So who knows what will happen? So that's exactly it is like we'll never have these long, long, like many, many years epic love stories, really. But I can't imagine being with the same person since I was 18. Oh, God, no. No. Right? <laughs> I've changed so much. And, like, I've been with so many different people because they, like, suited who I was at that time in my life. But I'm not necessarily that person anymore. So, no. No, me neither. I, yeah. I had a friend that was with her husband since she was 14. She never dated anybody else. They broke up once and he dated somebody else for a short time, but she never did. My mentor has been with her husband since she was 15 and they have six kids together and she's like in her forties now and she has always been with him. And it's just like, so it's, it's such a crazy story. And I'm like, Oh my gosh, I could never imagine that. No. Well, you know, we're going a bit off topic, but I'll just put in here too, that I found her very interesting because I found they had these kind of, crazy rules of their relationship because they've been together since they're 14. So we were out at the bar one time and somebody asked her to dance and it was a slow song and she said no and she said to me, oh my my husband and I have an agreement we don't slow dance with anybody else. <laughs> and I'm like, slow dancing with somebody else doesn't mean anything really. That's practically an affair, Michelle. I don't know if my mentor has any crazy rules, but I actually work with her husband as well um, as her. And they're so lovely together. So, yeah, I guess it works for some people, but it doesn't work for everybody. No, no. I mean, I think all power to you if it does. Oh, yeah. I'm having trouble with like, oh, we're going to be together long term. So I'm not going to get any other people. (laughs) So, okay, got to come to terms with that. Oh, my gosh. I'm okay with that, but I'm married. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I'm pretty lazy, so I'm sure I'll be okay with it. As soon as I had to start looking, I'd be like, eh, too hard. Chelsea's monogamous just out of pure laziness. (laughs) I need to agree with you. (laughs) 
All right. So let's let's talk a little bit about what it was like in yes. you know kind of the 40s, 50s, 60s for gay people. And that guy's the detective, his speech. Yes. So he was the detective of the morals and juvenile squad with a warning about being lesbian and gay and says they will be caught and the rest of their lives will be a living hell. I couldn't believe that speech. Me either. That was horrible. It was just horrifying. Mm-hmm. And he was so passionate about it too. No, he was. And I really think, you know, that happens. Like people are, who are bigots are so passionate about the things that they don't, that they're bigoted about. You yeah, know? that's true. They yeah. always feel that they're justified. Yeah. And yeah. we still have those people today, unfortunately. Like, and they exist in so many different realms. And then they had the rule that when they raided these bars yes. that were sort of known as homosexual bars, that the women had to have on three articles of women's clothing. So I'm very curious how often would that happen now? So what was classified as women's clothing? It was probably like skirts, nylons, high heels. How many women? Because they weren't allowed have? to wear pants at all. Any day of the week, you wouldn't catch me probably with three articles of, of you know, that traditional women's clothing on. I wear lipstick. Does that count? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's the nylons that would get everybody. How many people really wear nylons? Who wears nylons? I had to actually buy a pair the other day, and it was overwhelming. I was like, oh, my gosh. I wear tight sometimes. But actual nylons, I probably only, I don't even remember the last time, but probably only if I was going to a wedding and needed to wear a dress and look maybe a little more formal. And I do wear dresses quite often, like in skirts quite often. So, um, and now it's winter here. So I was like, oh, it's a bit cold to have the bare leggies out. But also my my tights don't look good with the skirt. So I I need to get some nylons. Wow, you actually bought some. Yeah, I did. I did. Um, and it was it literally was me standing in the, the garment area for 45 minutes agonizing over what nylons I should buy. Yes. It's very yes. overwhelming. And did you put them on and not get a run in them? Yes. And they're like the, the daintiest nylons ever. They're like spun silk. They're crazy. I haven't had like this fancy of nylons ever. I felt like an adult. Wow. I know. Goodness. <laughs> I know. It was, it's quite something. But yeah, because it's even like if they were wearing women's pants, like from a women's department, they uh, still wouldn't have counted those as a women's garment. I think that's crazy. No, I don't think they would have. Ugh, I don't think many people would pass that. So they ended up going to all their house parties, which I loved the pictures from the house parties. Yeah, those house parties looked amazing. Yeah. I'm jealous. Yeah. Cool house parties with gay friends. I know. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, I'm not surprised they went to house parties because it's not like they needed to go to a bar to pick people up, right? They had each other. And I think that was a big difference. Like, if they had been single, maybe they would have gotten involved with the bar culture, but they weren't. So, yeah, I just, I loved them. They're so cute together. And I thought they were really a true definition of partnership and having a life together. And I think that's, it's, it's rare to see that, you know, and also it's just so freaking adorable. They were just so lovely. So I'm curious, Chelsea, could you live 
and work together with your partner because they work, they work closely together. I have to say, um, my partner and I work amazingly together. And so we met in university when I was doing my master's degree to become for my teaching program. And we were in school together eight hours a day working on like and we did projects together. We did crazy stuff together. And we actually collaborate all the time at home um, with lesson planning and things like that. So I honestly think we could work together. No problem. Oh, there'd be a big no on my end. Yeah. <laughs> no. <laughs> of course. But, no, but, I, but yeah. Bill couldn't do my job and I couldn't do his job. So it, yeah, it wouldn't work anyways, right? So, I, yeah, I just think I need different stimulation with other people because he mm-hmm. really both mainly works by himself. So um, that wouldn't really work very well for me. Yeah, you guys are so different. Like you have such different careers, whereas we're both teachers. It's so weird because I was very much someone who always needed my my life outside of my partner. But now we literally just have each other and we do everything together. I never wanted to be that couple, but that's who I am now. Well, I do a lot of stuff in my free time with my partner, but we don't work together. But I do see my friends, too. But, yeah, we do spend a lot of time outside of work together, for sure. You know, I just want to talk again about how surprised I was at how long they were together and they never disclosed their relationship to their families. So Terry was the most concerned about disclosing to Diana because that's who she's supposed to. They more have that mother-daughter relationship. And I thought, honestly, it was just so cute that Diana said that she was upset that Terry hadn't told her earlier. Mm-hmm. And I thought that's true love and acceptance because that would be me too. I'd be thinking you spent all your life not telling me you felt you had to hide this from me. Yeah. I would feel really upset that she couldn't have trusted me with that information too. Me so too. I, I thought that was so nice to hear that reaction. Yeah, I'm amazed that they weren't out for so long, but we did talk about the whole thing. Like, it was a lot more commonplace for women who are friends to live together and things like that. So I can imagine how years pass and it just spitballs. And you're like, well, you know, it's been 10 years now. How do we find, like, how do you tell someone after that? Uh, They were really afraid of, of rejection, especially since they're from such different generation. Yeah, I thought it was so weird that when Tammy knew, she was really pushing that they get married and that like because they're living in sin and I was just like hold up Tammy <laughs> what? yeah like, yeah who cares like she, she was like oh you gotta get married now like now that we know you're together you gotta get married and I'm just like why I know why? it's been it's been so many years I think it's been 60 years yeah that sin's been committed <laughs> you yeah. can't take it back and also it's like just the fact that she jumped all of a sudden to like you're living in sin it's like well and like and the fact they have a beautiful relationship and they don't need to be married to commit themselves to each other and I do firmly believe that I don't think marriage is everything and that you can be just as committed without being married I think it was interesting that she was so big on they had to get married but really honestly nowadays is that what everybody does I feel like everybody dates and they're after three months they move in together it's so common now when when I was in my when I was in my 20s, it was pretty rare for anybody to live together. It really was not 
so accepted. I had a few friends do it, but not very many at all. But now it's it's just commonplace. It'd be rare for people to date for any length of time and not move in together. I know, I know. Mm-hmm. But I do love that they got married in the end because it was such a nice celebration. It was kind of like the completion of their relationship. Like, it, the you know, the I don't know how to say it, like the accumulation of everything that they finally mm-hmm. said, OK, it's legal and we've come so far with with gay rights and we've been together this long and we're showing the world that we're together and we're going to be together. Right. Mm-hmm. And their whole, all their families were there. Yeah. So oh. nice. It was. And it was a cute wedding. I liked that it was like more of just the fact that they were part, becoming partners and, and celebrating their love. Yeah. Yeah. It's a good it was, one. It was. It was. Obviously, at the end, we then were seeing them transition from independent housing to living in elderly care because they both needed some assistance, especially Terry, because she has Parkinson's. So uh, it was a really interesting transition. And they were quite old, like they were in their late 80s, early 90s when this when yes. they were moving and they were quite ind- independent for so long. So I I totally I understand I would want to stay independent as long as I could as well. And the family thought that Pat was just throwing up roadblocks about going into care homes. And I just didn't understand Diana and how she thought Pat was trying to keep Terry from them and was risking her health and well-being for selfish reasons. That was so shocking. And that part of the movie of the documentary, sorry, when they're in the kitchen and like Pat, her and Pat are kind of fighting and like Diana has a a meltdown because Pat hadn't sorry no because Diane hadn't been there for so long so she comes down to Chicago to see them and then she sees that Terry's not doing well that you know she's struggling she's lost weight and if she's feeling that Pat's the one putting up barriers which it does look like Pat was putting up the barrier to leave their home to go into like a retirement home. So I can totally understand how Diana was feeling. I would have been very upset too. Right. And then the fact that she didn't, Pat told Terry not to tell Diana how much money they had. Remember? And then Pat the next morning was like, I don't know why I said that. And for me, I just always felt like Pat was doing such a good job taking care of Terry and like they had people coming and helping. And I understand like you deteriorate when you get older and it's not because Pat wasn't doing her best to take care of her and she might not necessarily have done any better in a care home. And I don't know. And just given how the terrible stories you hear about going into care homes and the elder abuse and how difficult it is to go into a really good one. I can understand why they were putting it off for so long. Yeah, see, I I disagree totally because this is what I do every day of the week. I know, and and it is deal with elderly people that need to like leave their home, right? Because there's a difference between, well, in Canada, I don't know about everywhere else in the world, but in Canada we have retirement homes and long-term care homes. And long-term care homes are when you really are elderly, you have dementia, you have very high care needs. But the retirement homes are the perfect setting for people like Pat and Terry, where they just need a little bit of help, make sure they're getting their medication, that they're getting their meals, that they go to all the social activities, 
people are kind of checking on them and they're doing okay. And even Pat said after they moved into that home, which looked really nice, that she doesn't know why they waited so long to go. It was great there. Yes, which, you know, and sometimes it's, it, it, you don't realize until it happens. And it's hard to make those big decisions. I remember when we put my Mimi, my great grandmother, into a care facility because she was around the same age, like 94, 95. And she hated every minute of it. And so it was just horrible to visit her because she was so unhappy, even though she was in a gorgeous care home and it was very independent living, but she hated it so much. And I guess for me, like I have that, I have these experiences and that's what's obviously influencing my opinions. Yeah, but remember my grandmother, your great-grandmother, on our side was completely different. So when our grandmother went into retirement home, well, she didn't spend so much time socializing, but she she said it was like being back in high school and all the women there all wanted a boyfriend and she couldn't understand it because she had no interest in finding another man. And And she played a few, did a few social activities. And I remember one of them was cards. And one night her partner was sick and couldn't go. So she asked your mom to go. And your mom said to her, Grandma, listen, I'm not a big card player. And, oh, no, it's just for fun. And your mom told me, oh, my gosh, no, Grandma was getting mad at her because she wasn't playing the right cards. And it was so competitive. I've never (laughs) heard this story. Oh, my gosh. So she liked her retirement home. And then, unfortunately, she had a stroke and had to go to long-term care. And then when she was in long-term care, not she had a bit of, like, cognitive issues, some dementia then. So... She missed having a kitchen because she wanted to cook. That was her big thing. And I said, Grandma, you'll never hear me saying that because I don't even cook now. But I remember she was about 96, 97. And she said to me, okay, Michelle, I'm ready to get married again. And I'm like, really, Grandma? Yeah. I said, you always said you weren't going to get married again. She goes, well, I figure I might as well. And I said, well, Grandma, you wouldn't necessarily have a long commitment if you did anyway. Right? And she goes, yeah, but the problem is there's nobody to marry here. Oh, my God. Yeah. That's so funny. Yeah. Yeah. She was, <sighs> she was great. I know. And while I was telling the story about my Mimi, all I was thinking about was our grandmother and her story. And I was like, oh, Michelle's going to bring this up. <laughs> yes. yes. And I think it's all about attitude, right? So. You know, I've I've seen more than one patient. I remember I I talked to a male patient one time and he was living in a retirement home. And I always asked them, how do you like your retirement home? And he said, well, I went in there a year ago kicking and screaming. I did not want to go, but I had no choice. And now I don't even understand what I was arguing about. I love it there. So it's a lot of attitude. And I'm really about the socialization because Mm -hmm. when you're 90 and you're living home alone, Unless you have a really big family that live close by that come to see you, you're not seeing anybody. Exactly. They always talk about the how elders like the elder population are just so lonely and have a lot of depression issues because of it. Exactly. I think it's hard because, you know, when you move into those places, it's like admitting to yourself that you can like you cannot take care of yourself 100% or you know you're really admitting that you're old now and I think that's a hard thing for a lot of people to come to terms with so I can understand why people go kicking and screaming it's a really big step and it's a huge loss of freedoms you know you can't just do whatever you want anymore 
disagree because I don't think it's a loss of freedom because if you're in a retirement home, you can still drive, you can still come and go as you please. You can still drive? Yeah, if you're if you're living there, you can have a car. Like a lot of them don't because they're not really going anywhere, but you can still have your car there. You can still come and go. You can go to your daughter's place for the weekend. You have your own little kind of apartment. It's usually not big, but your own little space that's your own that you could hide out in and not socialize if you don't want to. That is so true. I don't think it's losing as much freedom as people perceive it to be, which is the common argument. I don't want to lose my freedom. I'm not that old. But the other thing is people don't want to get rid of their houses. With this generation, you know, they went through, you know, after the war and where money was tight and building a home and having a home that they owned outright for all those years is something they were very proud of. And that's really hard for them to give that up. I know I couldn't imagine like that is a dream that feels like will never be achievable for my generation. (laughs) Yes, I know. eh? And the retirement communities here in New Zealand are incredible. Like some of the nicest I've ever seen. Like I, if I could choose to retire here, I would. It's just Mm -hmm. insanely nice. Yeah. Yeah, they are great. I think they should have moved to Canada in the beginning. I'm glad they did in the end. But the problem is, you know, for anybody who doesn't understand that healthcare system Even though they're Canadian, Canadian born, but they're living in the States, when they first come back to Canada, they'll have no health coverage for three months. I know. When I came back to Canada, I had to pay for private health coverage for three months. It wasn't like a ridiculous amount of money. But the thing is, if you walk across the street, get hit by a car, you're looking at an astronomical bill. So you need to have that coverage. But when you're elderly with pre-existing conditions and other issues, that's going to be a big expense to try to manage that. And you cannot get into a long-term care home until you have that three months of living in the province. And so as someone who has pre-existing health conditions, like every time I come home to Canada to visit and like I was home for three months the last time. And I have pre-existing health conditions. So everything I needed for my pre-existing health conditions weren't covered. Like, um, even though I had bought private insurance, they refused to cover pre-existing. Yeah. So it's it's really expensive. Yeah. So I think they should have moved when they left their home. I wish they would yeah. have moved to Canada then. But that's a lot of transition at once. So I kind of get why they did that. It was a gradual transition. But, boy, that was kind of a big deal to move them back to Canada. Oh, they had to huh. rent that motor home and... Yeah, that's that was a ball in motorhome. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Because at that point, they were both so fragile, whereas before, like Pat was still seemingly in quite good health. You know, we never really find out what happened to Pat, like what was going on with her. Right. Yeah, they Um, never really disclosed what happened, whereas we knew Terry's medical issues. Yeah, they don't really say. Yeah, she had I was trouble. so shocked. Yeah, I don't know what happened. Sick. I was like, what happened? Like, Pat was so, she was like, you know, really robust still and seemed to be in good health. And that's exactly it. It was like one little thing just completely knocks you down because after that yeah. she was so fragile. So. Well, and not that Pat was necessarily doing a heavy caregiver role for Terry, but you often see whoever's in the caregiver role they will end up being sick 
Yes. And the person they're caring for is fine because they have the care, but the person in the caregiving role gets burnt out and they end mm-hmm. up in the hospital sick with something. And they never have a backup plan for who's going to care for the loved one at home. And that's when they call the social worker and I got to go down there and sort that out. But, you know, I was sick, which drives me crazy. How do you not have plans? People make plans. Listeners, I know. you need to make plans. It just drives me crazy. Oh, I didn't know what I was going to do. I remember we had this one lady and she had such bad dementia. And, I, and the, But the family had made no plans. And I'm thinking, you've been managing her all this time with this level of dementia? Oh, my gosh. And they were such a lovely family, too. Felt bad for them. Their mom was pretty fun. But I love the dementia people, though. I think they're hilarious. Yes. But, no, I do firmly (laughs) believe you need to. And even, like, for yourself having those living wills and having, like, knowing what you want. Yeah. At a young age. And I know I'm very lucky to have someone like you in my life who makes me realize I need to know these things. Michelle's always got my back. Chelsea, you got your life insurance? What's going on? (laughs) Yeah, exactly. (laughs) all right exactly any final thoughts about this i think we've covered mostly everything i think so too it was a nice change for us it was a nice (laughs) a nice light topic beautiful love story yeah at first i wasn't sure i was gonna like it because i was like oh like is it just about old people going into the nursing home and being in love like what's this gonna be about I'm not ready for that yet, <laughs> but you know, it was more than that. So it was, it, I really liked it. Still. I thought it was a great documentary too. Mm-hmm. It was nice love story, really highlighted how far we've come with accepting the LGBTQ community. Um, but there's still a ways to go, obviously, oh, so much. you know, and also just the, how it was about growing old and how to manage elderly care and your loved ones and the difficulty of making those next steps, like we said. So it was good. I think it, it was such a good reminder of like there's so many different types of relationships and steps that you'll different phases of your life you'll have with your partner. Like everyone's so consumed with like having a partner that, you know, you have this passionate intense relationship with but it's like at the end of the day you want to be with someone that you will still love when you're old and you can't do anything and you're having to take care of them we don't really think about that when we're looking for partners or we're thinking about our relationships yep it's true Mm -hmm. well i hope listeners like this you can let us know what you think this was actually a, a suggestion from one of our listeners to review this one So certainly if anybody out there has any suggestions, let us know. But our next documentary we're going to discuss is Game Changer. So again, a little bit of a different topic also, which is going to look at athletes and their diets. So quite interesting. So take a watch of that one this week and join us next week. And if you can, please subscribe to the podcast and leave us a five-star review and share with your friends so we can grow the podcast. And follow us on social media. And we'll have all that in our notes. Awesome. Thanks so much for listening to us, guys. Thank you. Bye. Bye.